1: Jesus said if you hold to my teachings you are really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The whole structure of life in Western society is an attempt to avoid the idea of sorrow. The human spirit instinctively shrinks from sadness and suffering. It is natural to want to be happy and to be around happy people. Yet Jesus said happy are those who sorrow. A characteristic of some popular feel-good teaching is the idea that you can have a life Free of pain. The fact is that bad things do happen to Christians as well as to unbelievers. I know one pastor who would refute that last statement. He believes that Christians never need supper. So having taught that for many years, when he had to go to hospital for an operation, he was boxed into a corner. He was left with no choice but to instruct his secretary that if any of his church members phoned up asking for him, she was to inform them that he was out of town rather than tell them that he was in need of surgery that's called denial. Another word is lying. I've always believed that if our theology doesn't work in the real world, then it's time to change it. The fact is that Christians have to deal with sadness and grief the same as others do. The difference is that we have divine resources to do so. This is set free with Ken Legg.
0: Hello, Phil here, and with me is author and pastor Ken Legg, Continuing our conversation today about a sound mind, and Ken, uh, you made a good point just there. Some theology is based more on wishful thinking rather than what the Bible actually says. I suspect you know we're on a fallen planet. It means we're all going to have to go through some unpleasant things now and again. Yeah, I want us to look at the subject of grief today, Phil. Uh, the Bible says much about mourning, and
1: in, in it we see women crying, and we see strong men crying, and even Jesus weeping. In fact, Jesus was called a man of sorrows. Mm. And every time he wept, it was because of sin and its consequences. He wept at the tomb of Lazarus when he saw the grief, his death, brought to his two sisters. Yeah. He wept over the city of Jerusalem, knowing the suffering they would endure because of their rejection of him. Uh, he wept in the Garden of Gethsemane as he complained contemplated the horror of the cross which lay immediately before him. So to mourn, we could say, is to feel pain for what sin has done to this world and its people. In fact, it's an appropriate response to that which is wrong in our lives and that which hurts us. Grief is our response to loss, we could say. People don't just grieve because of the death of a loved one, but also because of the death of a long-cherished hope or the death of a marriage or yeah. you know, the end of a season like when kids leave home. Uh, the loss of friendship, unemployment, uh, the conclusion of a work career and so on. We grieve over losing something or someone which was precious to us.
0: It's really quite a natural thing and I guess that's because we all will experience those times you know, occasionally. There's nothing more natural than grief and so we shouldn't really try to fight it. Is that right with things like denial?
1: Yeah. um, Look, I'm sure that many of our listeners would have heard of Dr. Henry Cloud and uh, Dr. John Townsend. They wrote those famous books on boundaries, which a lot of people have been helped by. Mm -hmm. They also wrote a book called How People Grow, and they describe grieving as the toughest pain that we have to deal with. They refer to it as one form of suffering that heals all the other forms of suffering, if you Mm -hmm. like. It's the pain that heals. Let me quote to you from that book. They say, grief is God's way of getting finished with the bad stuff of life. It is the process by which we get over it and let it go. And because of that, it becomes the process by which we can become available for new good things. The soul is designed to finish things, end of quote. Um, Now, in that respect, I love what Solomon said in uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. He says, sorrow is better than laughter, for by a sad countenance, the heart is made better. I love that. We're not just meant to get stuck in the rut of suffering. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a if you like, a, um, a pathway to help us to move on.
0: When Jesus said, happy are those who mourn, he was saying, be sad because then you can be happy again. Mm. When you say grief, though, Ken, it means different things to different people because it, it is quite a complex thing, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, there's a difference between miraculous healing and recovery healing.
1: Uh, miraculous healing, of course, can be instant. Recovery healing never is. It's gradual. And as far as grief is concerned, I believe that there's no such thing as miraculous healing. Uh, grief is a process of healing of which time is an important ingredient. Yeah. Uh, now, in that process, Phil, you, you can read different books, and some people see five stages, some people see ten stages, and, and so on. And, and it just points out the fact that you know there's no one size fits all. Yeah. Everybody grieves differently. Everyone's different. But I think there are three major parts that everyone has to pass through in the grief process. The first one is what I call believing. The first reaction to loss is one of shock, which is usually characterized by one of two things, either disbelief or denial. Now, disbelief occurs when we can't bring ourselves to to believe that we've lost that loved one or that thing, you know. Denial is when we won't accept it. Yeah, We just won't accept it, you know. So we respond by saying things like, no, that's just this thing of, you know, hey, I don't want to believe it, you know. Or, I can't believe he's gone. I can't believe this is happening. I, yeah. uh, or, we don't want to turn off the life support. You know, it's, it's kind of, woo, I don't want to come to terms with the fact that there is a loss here. Um, but I love what Kinder Greening says about this. He, he wrote a book on grief, and uh, Kinder's a pastor on the Gold Coast. He lost a, an adult daughter. And he says this, he says, Shock is needed in our emotional realm to act as a buffer or cushion so that our shocked soul can catch its breath and balance. The shock buffer causes denial that calms the soul temporarily. Mm. So that's a good way of looking at it. Is hey, woo, this thing has happened now. I need just a few moments here to catch my breath, and uh, but then we do have to come to that place of accepting, or as I call it believing yep. that the loss has occurred, coming to terms with the reality of the situation. Yeah, that's it. Uh, the second stage then, Phil, that I think is absolutely necessary, of course, is the grieving process itself. Once the reality of loss has been accepted, that's when really grief work begins. And this uh, this consists of coming to terms with all the implications of the loss. And it usually involves working through various negative emotions like anger, uh, guilt, resentment, fear of the future, and so on. And so grief needs to be not only felt but expressed at this time. How do we do that? Well, I always say there's two ways that uh, we can do that, talk and tears. Now, tears, of course, are the body's natural means of giving expression to our sorrow and our pain and our loss. But then, of course, there's talk. We need to draw strength and comfort from the support network of those that are closest to us, you know, our friends, friends our loved ones. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, the worst thing a person can do when they're going through grief is to isolate themselves.
0: It's a natural thing, though, for a lot of people, isn't it? To just want to withdraw, clam up. It is. I mean, look, I'm not saying there's not
1: times you, you just want to get away and reflect, but long term, that's not helpful because we are a body. You know, the Bible says if one member suffers, then all the members suffer with it, and no one who has sustained loss needs permission to grieve. They they need to understand that hey, this is just the natural way to get this thing out. And, and we're going to need others to to be able to just on, offload and share yep. our thoughts and our feelings
0: with at that time. I, I think that's a crucial aspect of the healing procedure. And how great is it when we know someone who's going through that grieving and we can walk with them and see them, you know, go through that process and the healing is starting to begin. It's fantastic. Okay. So we were believing, you got grieving. What's number three? Number three is leaving. We talked about some people have a problem
1: accepting, which is entering into the grief process. Others have a problem of exiting. They get yep. stuck there, you know. Yep. Now, remember that grief, we said, is God's way of finishing with the bad. It was never intended to be a life sentence. There is a time to mourn, but there's also a time for that mourning to end. Uh, the psalmist says, you know, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning." You look at the Bible and we see different ones mourning there. And we just see also that there was a limit. If I can put that, you know, there's a sense, of course, in which you never get over. Yeah. But I'm talking about the grieving process, living our life grieving. There's a time when that comes to an end. Now, you think of Moses, for example. He was a great statesman in, in uh, Israel. And uh, the Bible says this, that when he died, the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then it says this, so the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. I love that. You know, um, there is a time to mourn. What about Saul? When when he was rejected by God as king, you know, Samuel really found that hard to handle. And God came to him one day and says, how long are you going to mourn for Saul? I've rejected him, so let's move on. You know, go yeah. and go and anoint David. Now, think about it. If Samuel did not do that, then Israel would never have received his greatest king that brought them into the place that God wanted them to be. There is a time to mourn but there's a time for that morning to end and there's a time for exiting and moving on for the new beginnings that God has for us.
0: Some practical help this week on A Sound Mind and we'll have more on this discussion tomorrow. Do join us. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free.
1: For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg, including the book What's Eating You?, which features topics from today's message,
0: visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.